Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, Venture Podcasters. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. I'm super excited that you are listening in today. Uh, And I always say this, but I truly mean it, that if you are listening today, I believe that God has put you in this time and place, wherever you are, to be listening to this message, um, to this podcast, um, for a reason and a purpose. Um, I truly believe that. I believe that God called me to do just so, to to spread his word, and and so obviously I hope you're listening and, and understand that. Um, that God wants you um, to be able to do things and, 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 and do things for him and to further his kingdom. And so I believe there's a reason and purpose of, of why you're listening to this podcast. Um, I I'm also want to say I hope your Christmas went well. I hope your New Year's went well. And I hope you're excited uh, for 2020 as much as I am because I believe God's going to do some crazy, amazing things uh, in this year. Um, so now as we go into this new year, uh, we all hope that our life is going to get better, right? Uh, I think we all want that to happen, right? It could be in multiple categories. Uh, maybe we're hoping relationally our life will be better with families, you know, with friends. Maybe your marriage is good. Maybe it's not, but you're hoping it's better this new year. Um, it could be from a financial standpoint. You know, you're hoping this year that you make more money or you eliminate some debt, it could be from a physical standpoint. Uh, you want to be healthier in 2020 than you were in 2019. And most importantly, perhaps, you're hoping that your spiritual walk with Christ will be stronger this year than it was last year. And as I went through those categories, I want to ask you this question of, of how many of you would say that you hope that one, several, or all of those would be better this next year? And you can't see me, but I'm raising my hand uh, because I hope all those would be better for me next year. I really do. Uh, we want to. We want things to get better. We just do. And so rarely do we ever hear of someone saying that they hope things get worse. Like, I'm really hoping to gain 40 extra pounds, to drive my blood pressure sky high, to put me at a higher risk of, of a heart attack. No one ever says that, right? I've never met someone that said, I'm really hoping to blow my emergency fund next year and add, you know, twenty to $30,000 of debt to my family. Uh, I've never come through a year and thought, man, our marriage was so strong last year. This year, I hope it gets decimated, just destroyed, right? No, we're hoping things get better. And so as we look towards this year, how would you finish this statement? I want you to finish this statement. This year, I hope to blank right? This year, I hope to what? Okay. Perhaps you're hoping to pay off some student debt uh, or strengthen your marriage. Maybe you're hoping to finally start serving at a church or be stronger spiritually. Uh, A matter of fact, uh, I I really want you to maybe even take some time right now and write that question down, okay, and fill it in. You know, I want you to finish that statement because here's what I, I want you to think about and realize about hope, okay? Hope in and of itself, changes nothing, okay? Hope in and of itself changes nothing. Actions do that. Hope can be the catalyst for change, but actions are what is going to get us there, 
Okay. Think about it. How many of us have had resolutions in the past and they never happen, right? I know I have. And I'm not talking about hope as a passive wish, but, but rather an active pursuit. And this is what we're going to do. We are going to put hope into action. The Bible actually talks about this. It's, it's not a New Year's resolution or motivational message. God's words says to put hope in action. And we see this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He, he writes, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Okay, We're talking about putting hope in action and exercise self-control. One version of, of a Bible says self-discipline, okay? In that where it says self-control, it says self-discipline. So what is, what is discipline? When you put hope in action, it's going to take discipline to do that. And I, and I love this saying, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Okay, I'm going to say it again because it, it's, it's good. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. For example, I want to play softball three days a week now. But what I want most is a relationship with my kids, and so I'm going to choose what I want most over what I want now. I want to go out to lunch five days a week with everybody from the office now, but what I want most is to be out from under the weight of debt that keeps me awake at night, and so I'm going to choose what I want most over what I want now. Okay. Now, here at Chandler Acres, um, in, our, in, my, in the church that I serve at, over the years, um, this church, uh, it's been around since 1959, uh, has had hundreds of people I mean, possibly even thousands, come to know Christ and put hope into action. Okay, so today, by looking at the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, we're going to share three ways that all of us can put hope into action in 2020. Number one, uh, if you want to write this down, you can. To put hope in action is this. You need to define the problem. Okay, we have to define the problem. We see this in the life of Nehemiah. Okay, but let me tell you a little bit about who he was. Okay, we well, there might be some of you listening that you're not really sure who Nehemiah was. Okay, um, Nehemiah was a Jewish, Jewish man in the service of the Persian king. Uh, he was a cupbearer. Okay, which meant not only did he bring the king wine, but more importantly, he tasted it first to make sure it wasn't poison and would kill the king. And it was in a very important role in the court of the king. Um, he was also anxious to hear about the Jewish people that were returning to the province of Judah because the Jews had been in exile for decades. Okay? When, so when he had some friends show up, he defined the problem in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. And this is what it says, Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, I want to pause there because it's important to note that the significance of the wall in this time frame, okay, the wall was the greatest source of protection for that city. It was security from their enemies because there was no wall. The people that were living there were vulnerable and at risk because their enemy could come in and attack them anytime they wanted. And, and you see, Nehemiah didn't just hope things would get better. He defined the problem. Years ago, I had a problem when I was younger. I had a problem with bitterness and unforgiveness. And I'll get into that in a little bit in the, in, in later in this podcast. But for you, you also might be thinking about a problem you've had for a really long time. 
Okay, And this was the case for Nehemiah. You see, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down for nearly 150 years. No one was rebuilding them. Okay, No doubt you've probably tried something for years, and you've not been successful. As much as you don't want to admit it, perhaps your marriage isn't where it needs to be. For some of you, you never thought of substance would have so much control over your life. And there's some of you uh, that maybe listen to this podcast that you need to reach out to help for help uh, with your depression. You've got to define the problem. All right. Here's the deal: you cannot defeat what you don't define. Okay. You call it out. Make it clear. Okay. This is the problem. Okay. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Then one day, just like when I read in the book of Nehemiah, you'll turn the page and read what we must that we must rebuild the wall. Right. And from this point forward, things are going to be different because back on that other page, it was a nation of disgrace. But now on this new page, there's this man stands up for his faith to put hope into action. Who knows, who knows how long you've been stuck on this page, but, but God, by God's power, he helps you to turn the page of your life, right? You turn the page and you realize that I need to maybe pursue my spouse, Or you turn the page and realize that you struggle with looking at inappropriate images and videos and you can't stop. And so you decide you're going to put filters on every connected online device that you have, okay? You turn the page and say, for the first time in your life, I'm going to attend church, you know, on a regular basis and make it a priority for me, right? I'm going to engage in God's word on a daily basis. You're going to say, this has gone on long enough. I'm on a new page now. And God, by his power, helps me to turn that page of my life. You see, sometimes things can be so bad, painful, rocky, and unstable for so long that it becomes our new normal, right? We don't realize that we are in great trouble and ruins, even, even in disgrace, okay? The walls of our lives have been broken down. We're, we're vulnerable and at risk. Our spiritual enemy can come in at any time and attack us. But be encouraged. It's through our greatest and largest problems that we can show God the greatest glory, okay? How do you put hope into action? Well, number one, you have to define the problem. And number two, okay, if you want to write this down as well, you diligently seek God, okay? And Nehemiah did this. Look at verse Look at verse four. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. You see, there's a reality of sadness here. When you read this verse to see how he sits down to cry and then he kneels to pray, the moment he defined the problem, Jerusalem is in great trouble and disgrace. What did he do? He diligently looked, took it to, to the one that could help him. And when you have a vision to do something in your life, you're going to need the God of heaven to help you. And I experienced this in my life, right? Remember when I just told you this a little bit ago that I, I struggled with bitterness and unforgiveness, and I, and I deserved to be bitter, and I held tightly to unforgiveness. You see, when I was little, I was the victim of significant verbal abuse and bullying at the hands of, of my classmates going through school, and it went on for years. Now, there's something you need to know about me, and I've shared this, I think, once before on this podcast, that I'm a pretty big guy. I'm 6'4". I'm over... 300 pounds, we'll just word it that way, okay? Uh, I'm a big guy, all right? And, and I've been big my whole life. Uh, in fact, through elementary, I was probably twice the size of most uh, of my peers 
uh, during that time. And 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 you would, if you look at me, you would think, Dan, how how is that possible that people were bullying you when you're that big? And I would tell you, I, I don't know. I just wasn't a fighter. And because of this, I really had no friends growing up. All the way through high school, I was bullied. The only thing that really kept me partially sane was I played sports, and I was good. I really was. I was good. And so while the sports seasons were going on, of course they wanted Dan to be their friend because I was good and I helped the team. But, but you know, as soon as the season ended, I was back with no friends. And then one day I got saved. I experienced what true forgiveness was, and I realized that, that I was in this prison. I was in the bondage of unforgiveness and bitterness. And because of if, if Jesus could forgive me, I need to be able to extend forgiveness for, to somebody else, right? So I diligently sought God. And in doing that, here's what I realized, that forgiveness was giving up the hope of a better past. All this time when I was bitter, I was wishing the past was different, okay? But that wasn't going to change. I had to extend forgiveness, and I did that. And then I experienced some of, one of the best things ever. I experienced freedom. Because when you're bitter, when you're unforgiving, this emulates out of your character, okay? This affects people around you. And though through seeking God diligently, it changed how I thought. And the motivations of my heart changed, and so did my actions. And I was able to forgive. And maybe you've had a similar experience in your life. Maybe it's when you hold your firstborn baby girl for the first time and you think to yourself, I want to walk her down the aisle one day, right? And maybe it's when you get an eviction notice or a late notice and you say enough is enough. I refuse to allow this to happen again. You're determining that this is the problem and you're seeking God for his help and his power to make the changes in your life. And we saw this begin to happen. When Nehemiah starts to pray and fast after hearing the news that the walls of Jerusalem were down, when, when, when they, then he saw how he spoke to the king to get permission to go rebuild the wall and how God gave him favor to do all that. Now it would have been very easy for Nehemiah to think when he heard the news that, that that's terrible, right? You know, he's probably thinking, oh, that's just terrible. He could have just easily done that. And then he could have easily gone on to, you know, Facebook and write a detailed post complaining about the walls being broken down and then going on with his life, okay? I mean, he wasn't a mason or a builder, a construction guy. He was a professional drinker, literally. That's what he did for a living. He was a drunk. That's what he did as a job. Just think about how how much doubt would flood into his mind that he could not accomplish this great work. There is no doubt that you can connect with that, right? Maybe you've thought, well, I could try it again, but I'll fail again. I don't have what it takes. I'm not qualified to do this. And that's why it's imperative that we diligently seek God, because God does not always call the equipped, right? Hear me out on this. It's so important. He always equips those that he calls, okay? Uh, my wife did not marry a pastor, there's no, no, no way thinking the, the story I just shared with you of, of, of going through the bulliness, the verbal abuse. I, I could not stand in front of people, uh, talk in front of people because I was worried about people always making fun of me. And here I stand today sharing through a podcast and through a church, a platform every Sunday, preaching the gospel. You see, God equips those that he calls to do that, Right? The only way we know we are called is by diligently seeking him. Nehemiah diligently sought God and took ownership of the problem so that he could also own the solution with God's help. 
Okay, think about your current habits. What is one change that you could make today that would put you on the path that God has called and intended for you? Let me ask you that again. What is one change you could make today that would put you on the path that God has called and intended for you? Imagine what you could do for the kingdom if you were physically healthier, healthier, right? Imagine who you could bless and how you could not only honor God by returning the tithe and be generous and give above that to offerings if you were freely, uh, uh, financially free. If your relationship with Christ was stronger, imagine how much bolder we could be with our witness. When we realize that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, that is when our life begins to change, right? So how do we put hope into action? Number one, you define the problem. Number two, you diligently seek God. And number three, you do the work. You have to do the work, folks, okay? Year after year, January, January's come and go. We find ourselves in the same place year after year after year after year, right? What we need to realize is all that God wants to do in an area of our lives, okay, will be limited by the work that we are unwilling to do, Right? All that God wants to do in any area of our lives will be limited by the work that we're unwilling to do. Whatever you're thinking about, that, that problem that is in your life, you've thought about it before. I mean, let, let's, let's just be honest. You've thought about it before. You know what the problem is. I know what my problems are. We've even come up with solutions on how to solve those things, right? But you know what the difference is between good intentions and actually changing it's doing the work with God's help. And this is where the real change happens because you can join a gym. You can even hire a trainer. But when your alarm goes off at 5 a.m. in the morning, you've got a decision to make. You either turn it off, roll over in bed, and stay in the same rut you've been in for years. Or at that moment, you ask God, please help me. Because in our weaknesses, we are made strong through him. And you roll out of bed and you change your life. You have to declare this year will be different. And we're not talking about a New Year's resolution that's going to be dead in three weeks. We're talking about putting hope into action, empowered by God, to change the trajectory of our lives. You're on a new page now. This year is going to be different than every year before. Okay, It's not a New Year's resolution. We are putting hope in action. Nehemiah did this when he got to Jerusalem. Okay, You see, he personally inspected the wall to see the extent of the damage. And then he gathered all the leaders together, the nobles, the, the priests, okay, the, the officials, okay? This is, this is what he said to them. Listen to what he says to them, all right? Uh, it's Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, all of them, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they begin the good work. Now the good news is you're going you're, you're gonna to do the work, okay? But the great news is you're not going to do it alone. God is with you. His power is there to help you. Others can and should be a part of the process as well, but, but don't think for a minute okay, that your great work, that your hope and action goes without opposition. You need to anticipate it. you got to expect it. Nehemiah experienced this. The, there was two guys named Sanballat and Tobiah. They constantly ridiculed him. They said things like, do you really think you're going to rebuild the wall with stones from a garbage heap? 
They even said if a fox was to run across the wall, it would crumble and fall. But I love Nehemiah's resolute, steadfast mind as he replied in chapter 6, verse 3. He said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. When you face resistance, you, you just got to shake it off. And I say I'm doing a great work and I can't come down because you'll hear a voice inside of your head. You will. We all will. And Satan will whisper to you, what do you think you're doing? Do you really think going to meetings every single week will get you clean? You love how that stuff makes you feel. And you'll hear the voice say, what do you think you're doing? If, something's, if something doesn't go just the way you want, you will always fly off the handle, right? Do you, do you really think you'll be able to control your anger and temper when you've struggled with it your whole life? When you face resistance, when you hear that voice, you just need to shake it off. You need to shake it off and say, that was the old me. This is the new me. I'm on a new page now. What was is over. Last year, it was a different page. This year's going to be different by God's power, by his spirit working in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in me. You shake it off and you do the work. You're building this great wall of your life. You cannot come down. Remember, you don't just have hope, you have hope in action, inspired by God by diligently seeking him and looking for his guidance and his help as you do the work. Become resolute in your determination. In Nehemiah's case, the results stunned and shocked everyone watching. The wall that had been in ruins for nearly 150 years, the wall that everyone said that would never be built, was rebuilt and completed in only 52 days. Now, I don't know where you live and everything, but construction around my area, around Bellevue and Omaha, Nebraska, does not get done in 52 days. But they did it in 52 days without people that knew uh, any masonry, any carpentry skills. See, God did exceedingly and abundantly beyond all they could imagine or expect. He can do the same for you when you define the problem, when you diligently seek him, and when you do the work. God will turn the page of your life. So my question to end it is, what tangible steps will you take? Do you need accountability like a mentor or a trainer? Do you need a life group? I'm going to encourage you this. If your church offers life groups, small groups, something like that, yes, everybody needs one of those. Join one of those. They're, they're huge. They're so impactful in your life, okay? Now go back to that statement at the very beginning of your notes, okay? I, I said this year, I wanted you to fill in. This, this year I hope to blank, right? This year, I hope to what? Here's what I know. Know that God and, and, and as myself as, as a pastor and as our church, we're here with you. We're here with you to help you put hope into action. And I hope you'll do just that in the year 2020 and beyond. Amen. That brings us to the end of another venture podcast. I, in a cup, the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have some special uh, shows for you. Uh, I, I'm not going to give them away, but we're going to have some really fun stuff that for the next couple of uh, weeks to give to you guys. And then we're going to be starting a new uh, a series called Relationship Goals. That will begin in February. And I'm looking forward to just talking with you guys all about that. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com dot com.